Imagine living in a time where six men kill themselves every day. And if we thought that's gonna happen in a hundred years, it sounds pretty gross, but it's actually now. Uh, you know, originally fake news starts as a critique of news that's considered to be inaccurate. It's become a term that's used now to dismiss any news that you don't like. And around one in seven young Australians uh, has a mental health condition. They are our most unwell generation that we've had. People don't accept the climate science. So if I think about how we're going to save the world, art enables us to move in that direction. So what can you do to save us all from a world without art? On this episode, our experts share all their best tips for finding art in new places, adding it into your own life, and why, now more than ever, art matters. Let's hear from John McCormack. I'm John McCormack. I'm the director of Sensi Lab, a research lab at Monash University, and I'm a practicing artist and computer scientist. We're throwing forward now to what can what can the average person do? Someone like me, who yep. I don't feel particularly creative. Yeah. What can the average person do? What would you encourage an individual to do so that they could either themselves engage with art or that they could do to help enable artists in society, particularly now? Mm. You know. It, it, we're living in a time when so many artists have just watched six months' worth of paid work vanish in front of their eyes. Yeah. How can we help that industry? Uh, well, obviously, in monetary terms, is the simplest thing. So, you know, by, obviously, if you're a musician at the moment, touring is going to be very difficult. And because of the structural changes in the way that musicians make their money, which used to be through like album sales or CD sales, streaming sales don't earn, except if you, unless you're Taylor Swift. Nobody earns money from streaming, so they largely earn it through touring. And if touring stops, it makes it difficult. So I guess buying things like merchandise or um, even just supporting the artists directly through platforms that allow things like Patreon, you know, there's online forums that allow that. Um, at a monetary level, just allows people to keep doing what they're, they're doing. Um, the, you, you asked the question about what can anyone do in terms of being an artist or making art. Yeah. I think... Uh, part of or my take on art is that it should be democratising, it shouldn't be elitist and that means everyone can do it and they don't have to do it within the formal structures of the art world. They can just do it as a way of finding meaning in their lives or actually just exploring um, the world around them. So, I mean, if you've never drawn anything, even if you're bad at drawing, actually drawing is a really, really powerful way of understanding something. Very, very different than taking a photograph or something. So these days everyone walks around with their phone, takes a photo and you scroll back through your phone and you think, oh, you've got thousands and thousands of these photos. If you have to draw something, it forces you to look at how something actually is and also how you interpret that onto a piece of paper. So drawing is an incredibly, I find, very liberating and very empowering way of understanding the world that's very different than any other way. Um, I think also just getting out and experiencing art is great, even if you think, oh, it's not for me. I think a lot of art is very accessible and, and even so these days more and more accessible. Um, and also it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to understand everything about something mm. to still find some kind of meaning, enjoyment or even puzzlement from it and to think more deeply about those things is is really interesting i mean at the moment there's a lot of art that is highly politicized um, that draws our attention to things that perhaps we wouldn't otherwise know about and i think that's fantastic a lot of art is about building communities as well uh, so being part of those communities is really important and 
art plays a role in doing that and also making it fun rather than making it kind of legislated or um, done by peer yeah. peer force or any, any of those those reasons why you know for other reasons that you might do that so yeah I get the feeling you don't really see a distinction between the importance of high art and low art I think it's important that yeah art is democratic democratic yeah. and that anyone feels that they can do it um, it's not something that you have to have years and years of training I mean if you are yeah if you're a professional artist if you're in the art world yes you do need training to do that you need to understand about the history of art its context and so on but the idea that it's only for those people I think is is not correct it can be very democratizing and that's where working with computers can really help that because often you think well I'm not creative I can't draw I can't paint I can't do anything um, uh, a computer can kind of help you with that in a way that can give you the, the sort of support that might be hard to get from another person because they don't judge yeah and the earliest stages of developing any kind of creative practice is a lot of it that sort of um, puts you takes you off it is the idea of someone's judging you that you're no good that you can't do it and computers don't judge and I think that's why people are more willing to share things with them because they know they're not going to get judged the way that humans mm, they're very patient teachers mm. Do you think that there are any policy changes or interventions from government that could be helpful in making art more accessible, more important in society? Uh, well, I think... Apart it's from buckets <laughs> of cash. Buckets of cash. I mean, it is well known that uh, people who, you know, on census data and things, people who put artists in their title are amongst the lowest paid mm -hmm. professions in the world. I think the last figure I heard was the average was about $13,000, which is below the poverty line. Um, it's it's terrible. It's, it is... Um, I mean, of course, artists will always want more money. There's a great quote by um, a Canadian musician, and he said, "You know, you give five thousand, uh, you give you a person five thousand dollars to be on the dole, and they're miserable. But you give an artist five thousand dollars to make a piece of artwork, and they're ecstatic yeah. about it." So I think there are ways that I mean, yes, obviously, something that is not driven necessarily by economies can't can't sustain itself economically. Um, so it does need assistance from government. So it does come down to, as a society, how much we value that. And, of course, we value a lot of things. We value sport. We value um, technology. We value medicine. We value lots of things, and they're all competing for, for funding. Um, but I think the arts are, in particular, fairly poorly, poorly funded in Australia compared to other countries of similar socioeconomic wealth. Um, but also I think it's partially cultural too, Australia doesn't have the same culture as, for example, Europe has in terms of appreciating art and understanding art. And also if you look at other cultures or other, other countries where they um, have a thriving art culture, it's not necessarily because a lot of money was put into it. It's because at the base level society recognises the importance for it. So I think I would argue that, yes, money is essential, but also a kind of understanding at a societal level that art plays a role and that it is important and makes it for a better life is fundamental to, to getting that change. So how do we do that? Leaving the money aside, how do we get an attitudinal change? I think it starts in school. You know, when you have kids in school, the, f the thing that parents are usually most proud of is if, someone, if, if your child comes home with a painting and they say, that's create." You know, kids were taught creativity at school. And then you fast forward to most of the jobs that people end up in and they're completely uncreative jobs. Yeah. 
And so where did we lose that point where we valued so much our children to be as creative you know, creative thinkers to be experimenting with their creativity as much as possible to the kinds of jobs that most people end up in. And somewhere in that transition, it's lost. So I think addressing it at that level is one way. I think um, just having more physical places that support art. So it's, it is quite well known that um, uh, countries or cities that are more open about the possibilities for art events to occur without having so many rules around them mm. generally tend to be the ones where the cultural aspects thrive. There's, a, there's a, some good examples in Europe of where people actually went against, gov against government decrees and they said, we're going to put this in the park or we're going to put this in the streets. And at first, local governments were really against it. You can't have people doing this. This is wrong. But then when they understood that actually people were really enjoying it, it was bringing um, economic uh, wealth into that city because more people were coming from outside when they learned about it, it suddenly turned around and then it was encouraged. Mm. Um, there's, a, there's a great example. There's a thing in, in Austria called the Klangvolker, which is just one guy and he encouraged everyone to put their radios out of their apartments on the roof and tune in to the same broadcast that he was – there was a music conference. So people walking down the streets, suddenly mm. all the streets were filled with music because everyone had just put their radios out onto the street and it is that whole kind of community engagement aspect that makes it possible. So yeah, it is it's making the space and the place. I love that. And I guess yeah, probably the antithesis of creativity is bureaucratic red tape. Yes. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> Although it can get very creative, I think, in my experience at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah. John, this has been so interesting. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Let's hear from Callum Morton. Unfortunately, due to COVID, we've had to adapt and do a number of these interviews by phone. So while occasionally the audio isn't as great as always, we promise you the content is. Hello, my name is Callum Morton. I am a Professor of Fine Art at Monash Art Design and Architecture. Uh, I'm an artist and I'm also the Director of Monash Art Projects. Callum Morton, thank you for joining us today. For the average person who's sitting at home who's not an artist like me, who wants to protect and, and cultivate the, the value of art in society, what would be some simple steps that you could recommend for, for the non-artist out there that, that sees the value of art and, and wants to facilitate it or help it or maybe even create some themselves? What should we do? Well, I think the first thing to recognise is that, that, you know, there's uh, potential for art practice everywhere you know but um there are no rules and if you're sitting at home and you want to start making work you know you don't have to start you know drawing or um you know painting in oils or something like that you know art practice can happen online you can be sort of manipulate something on photoshop and put it on to instagram you know and i would i would say that that you know constitutes a piece of art so i think um for me, uh, the most obvious way or the easiest access I had to producing art was when I understood that it was very open what it could be uh, and that there weren't necessarily these kind of rules of engagement. And the rules of engagement, you know, block a lot of people from doing it, and, you know, in all, in all things, not just art. But, but um, if someone is around you telling you how simple it is, or how simple potentially it could be, you know, from little things, big things grow too. But, you know, um, I think um, that is something, that is a way in. And so I would say that every, I'm not everyone can be an artist. I think to continue to be an artist uh, over many years, because um, there's not money in it, 
you know, and uh, you wouldn't be doing it for that, you know. Um, and to continue to, you know, you, you have to have something inside you that drives you. I mean, I went to art school with a lot of kids who are so much more talented than me in, in lots of ways, but didn't keep going for one reason or another. And the attrition rate is very high. Uh, and that's largely uh, because there is another fire that you need in you to continue. So, so there's that, you know, but the act to, to begin the process and, and, and to find out whether you want to or, or, or to begin the process just to kind of make something is quite simple. Um, and if you say that, that it's quite simple and that everyone's kind of engaging in it in some way uh, or can engage in it in some way, then that kind of increases, theoretically, that could increase the value one has for it because um, we can talk about value in other ways because art of course has this ridiculous economy attached to it as well mm. which is about um and kind of mythology attached to it which does um uh give people a kind of sense of value in a whole other way um and and i think that's a kind of obstacle you know in many ways for governments for all sorts of people so um, you kind of have to ignore that because that's a kind of fabrication, that economy. You know, I don't, um, it's like sort of, it's like trading in the stock market and buying sort of, you know, bank shares or whatever it is, you know, but I don't do it, but blue chip shares, you know, people trade the stock, you know, art in the stock market like that and so on. I'm talking about visual art here. Um, mm. um, so you just kind of have to ignore those sort of economies and those senses of values and just look at the kind of fundamental values about connectivity, spirituality, you know, mental uh, uh, health, health and well-being, so on. Callum Morton, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Nice talking to you. I am Ali Alizada, a senior lecturer at Monash. I teach literary studies and creative writing. I'm also a creative writer. Ali Alizada suggests this. Oh, I mean, to me, that's a political decision. Stimulates, stimulates the bankroll, bankroll, bankroll. Uh, government now has to kick in huge amounts of money to save all, all of the sort of work class, not just the sort of precarious artists. Mm-hmm. We're in it together. I mean, this idea that uh, the, the better of people can align support artists, that would be extremely small group, and that's, that kind of investment would dry up so quickly. It's not. It's not even worth um, depending on pressuring governments to spend big and and forget GDP and go into debt. That's, that's my view. And I guess that's such a hard thing to imagine happening when, even in times of prosperity, we saw the arts mm. be gutted by government funding. So how Absolutely. willing do we think they'll be Absolutely. to do it now? Absolutely. And you know, even in times of prosperity, again, we see a very small elite of artists do well. Majority of artists, in fact, do worse in times of prosperity because most of the money gets attracted to the more shiny examples. You know, um, so so I'm 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 not oh yeah I'm not sure if prosperity of society and a growth in GDP and productivity translates for better conditions for artists. It may not. I th- I think I frankly think social spending, and and recognizing that there are people now. Some of them artists who are depending on casual work to, to pay their rent and they're going to be deprived of that. And government has to kick in or else they may be facing some kind of a social uprising. Ali Alizada, thank you. Thank you. Nick McGuigan is an accountant who urges people to look for art where it may not obviously be. 
Hey everyone, I'm Nick McWigan. I work as an Associate Professor of Accounting at the Monash Business School, as well as the new Director of Equity, Diversity and Social Inclusion. Nick McWigan, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. What are some takeaway messages the average person at home, many of whom will not be artists, what can they do to increase their access to practice of art in their everyday life or even their way of thinking about art? My view is that art is all around us. We can't escape it. We live in an insta-visual world, if you like. Um, and so I think art is there if we're just willing to open our eyes to see where that might occur. And it occurs through everything we do. It's advertising, it's walking down the street, it's nature. It's, it's everything that's around us. And I think the biggest thing we can do to open our, ourselves to this is, is really open our awareness, to, to really look um, and experience things and, and where it has presence. So just being more aware, you think, more present to the art around us. I think being open and being aware to and having presence is, is absolutely critical. How can art save the world? Art enables us to imagine, to, to reimagine, to, to really th- rethink, unlearn some of the, the processes we might be used to as, as a human way of organising, i.e. our global economy, and really reimagine what that might look like in the future and how we could get there. So art, I guess, brings humanity together. It shifts our perceptions and it opens our minds and awareness to things we might not have considered before. So if I think about how we're going to save the world, and I'm very mindful here of things like climate change, we need more holistic ways of thinking. And art enables us to move in that direction. Nick McGuigan, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much, Susan, for having me. Much appreciated. That's a wrap for this topic on what happens next. Thanks to all our experts who share their perspectives and practical tips. We'll be back with a brand new set of futures to explore. If you like the podcast, please write us a review. Thanks for listening today. We'll see you on the next episode of What Happens Next.